Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. This is episode 26, and today I'm speaking with Abriana Johnson. Abriana is a horse-loving, craft-making, social media-buzzing millennial from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Growing up, she excelled in science and math courses, but was always intrigued by art and creativity. Abriana's passion for animals, especially horses, started at a very young age, leading her to obtain a BS in animal science from North Carolina State University and an MS in One Health from the University of Florida. Abriana's current involvement in the horse industry includes owning two Tennessee walking horse geldings and a miniature horse who she has trained for therapy work. She co-hosts a podcast titled Young Black Equestrians and is a co-leader for a local 4-H club. Through her recent involvement in the nonprofit organization Settle Up and Read, Abriana recognized the need for minority representation in books about agriculture and animal husbandry. She wrote and illustrated a series of easily digestible books for young readers who love bright colors and fun characters. Cowgirl Cameron is a witty, compassionate, and resourceful young lady whose aim is to teach young readers the ins and outs of farm life. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Hi everyone, welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Show. Today I'm so excited to have Abriana Johnson on the show with me. Hi Abriana. Hello. Yay, so we are going to you know, hop right into the first question, which is how I always like to start these shows because we're all connected, not only through our love of horse books, but also through our love of horses. So, Abriana, will you tell us how your love affair with horses began? Yes. Um, so, when I was younger, um, about 10 or so, you know, your parents are trying to get you in all these camps and trying to figure out what you like. And I, I for some reason, just told them, you know, let's try horseback riding lessons. And my dad actually grew up with a lady that had a farm not too far from me. I'm from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So, there's not that much rural land around there, but there was a lady with a horse farm and uh, I, I took some lessons and it, they were jumper lessons. When I got into high school, I had a cousin who um, would go to these trail rides and, you know, he had a camper and he's like, you know, I'm hauling away. I'm going, you know, for away for the weekend. And so we went to one of them, my family, and we had tents. And we literally drove to the middle of the woods and there are like hundreds of people there. And they're all, you know, Friday night they come and they all have dinner together. And then Saturday morning, they'll go out on a trail for like three, four hours and come back and have dinner and party. And I was like, this is, this is fun. This is something <laughs> I want to do. And so my dad was like, okay, we're not tenting because literally everybody here has a camper. So we got campers. We got the horse trailers. I mean, my cousin let me ride one of his horses. And after that, I was hooked. I mean, just being there with so many people, like 
from all walks of life. Like you have no idea these people are doing this on the weekend in the middle of like a field in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and just going out and enjoying themselves and fellowshipping together. It was amazing. So I've been doing that since high school and introducing other people to it. So that's pretty much how it, how it began. And, you know, I had to get my own because of course, you know, why not? <laughs> of course. So, so yeah, so I got my own horse. Um, I just got my own trailer like the end of last year and, you know, I've just been doing it ever since, ever since high school. So. And from galloping around your website and doing a little research, putting together the interview questions for today, I saw that you have one heck of a herd of animals. Can you tell us a little bit about your furry friends? <laughs> yes, yes. So I call them the Magnificent Seven because hmm. there's seven of them. So <laughs> it started off with Nadia, um, my Dutch Shepherd. She's seven. I got her in college. Um, with my roommates because it was going to be a house dog and we were all going to take care of her. And, you know, I ended up with her. (laughs) (laughs) And so we got her and then I actually started working a part-time job at AT AT&T and all things. And, um, I got a little bit of extra money and I was like, I'm going to buy a horse. So I went to North Carolina state's college of veterinary medicine and bought a six month old walking horse. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to grow with each other. And he spent like the first two months trying to kick me in the face. (laughs) We got him castrated also at the college of veterinary medicine. (laughs) So that's him. Um, that's, that's the current horse that I ride. Um, when I moved out to where I am now, uh, the, I was the only like horse owner here with, on a five acre pasture. Um, so I brought my horse from high school that I grew up riding. He was at my parents just by himself, brought him up from Chapel Hill. And he's been here for going on three years with me. So I've been taking care of him. His name is Coco. He is also a walking horse. He is 25. So he's an old man. He's getting up and there. And I just... He's just the babysitter. He just stays here and he's the babysitter for my newest addition, which is the mini encore, the mini horse. He is just the most precious thing I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) And, um, he, um, I, I just, I found him on Craigslist when I was, I was just laughing with my friends like, oh, ha, ha, ha. I wish I could find a horse that looks like my, you know, current horse maestro, you know, but just smaller, you know, we can ride around in parades and it'll be great. <laughs> and then I was scrolling on Craigslist and I was like, oh my God, this horse <laughs> looks just like my horse. And minute, his but... hair was sticking up like this. <laughs> his mom's name is Tina Turner because her hair was crazy too. And I was like, I don't care. Like I, at this point, I don't even care how much it is. Like, like I got to go get him. Mm-hmm. So me and my neighbor took this giant three horse gooseneck because I didn't have a horse trailer yet <laughs> to go get this little hundred pound mini and I just had to pick him up and put it in there <laughs> and then <laughs> pick him up and take him out, you know, <laughs> but we got him um, home and like, he's just been a joy. The um, other two, they're cats. They 
they're supposed to be barn cats, but they don't do any barn cat things. So they just stay inside <laughs> sometimes. I, I don't know. They're just there. And then uh, my other, my last pet is Tigger. He's, um, I got him last year when a mentor of mine passed away. So mm-hmm. I pet sat him for years and I was like, he can't go to a rescue. They don't know him. And I ended up with a 90 pound dog. So wow. 90 I got a pounds. lot of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He, there's there's more dog in my house than there is of me <laughs> as far as pounds so Aww. well all your animals sound really lovely and and how how good on you for for taking for taking the 90 pounder and not sending yeah. him to a rescue I'm sure he's happy to be with you you know while I was looking around on your website I loved the quote that you have featured on your homepage it says when you feel as if you have more questions than answers put your passion first and the rest will fall into place. Can you talk to us a little bit about where, you know, and this is your quote, you, you, you came mm-hmm. up with us. So can you talk to us a little bit about how this fuels your, your work and, and what you're doing with animals and your creativity? Mom always encouraged me to pursue your passion. Mm-hmm. That's great. She's advice. like, if you, if you ever, you know, feel like you don't know what to do next, just do what you enjoy. And, and that'll, put you kind of on the right track and even if it doesn't kind of put you where you want to be like five years from now it'll give you a little bit more perspective and it'll give balance to um whatever challenges that you're facing in your life so you know putting that quote on the website it kind of embodies you know my professional pursuit of pretty much what I want to be when I grow up Mm -hmm. um so I kind of reference back to that question because I'm like, you know, every time I'm like, ah, you know, this didn't work. This deal didn't go through this. Um, you know, I didn't sell any books this week. You know, if you, if you just center yourself on what you're passionate about, then things will start happening for you and things will, will make it a a way will be made Mm -hmm. for what you truly enjoy, whether it's what you planned or what was just, you know, supposed to happen for you. So that's what that's quotes about. Um, you know, I kind of bounce around. I do a lot of different things, but they're all centered around horses. So I just try to focus on, okay, you know, what is it that I really want to do this week? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm doing all the stuff that I'm passionate about. So mm-hmm it should be easier. You know, it should be easier for me. If I feel like something is getting difficult, I have to ask myself, am I truly passionate about that? So that's what that quote's about. I absolutely love that. You're right. right. If you always go back to your passion, somehow it kind of, the universe kind of leads you forward or it's fate mm-hmm. or, you know, you're following your heart, like what your heart's calling to do. I call it the muse. I just follow my muse. Like sometimes yeah. I don't know what to do. It's like, I'm, I'm just going to go where the muse tells me to go. And it usually yeah. ends up being the right way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And then, you know, uh, another portion part of that is uh, your website also says that you aspire to be an example of a successful black equestrian, a role model that you would have wanted when you were growing up. And I, I think you've definitely accomplished that mission as I got to know you by, by looking at your website and your channels and things that you're up to. I mean, you are being that. Um, but tell, tell us a little bit about your journey of self-discovery and self-promotion and self-love 
and what being a successful equestrian means to you. What does that look like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So growing up, um, you know, it, even in the lesson program, like when I first started, there weren't, there weren't any kids that looked like me, mm-hmm. but growing up in Chapel Hill, um, is a very, very diverse school district. That wasn't, that wasn't, it, it didn't bother me that much, um, uh, because I was used to it. So, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I was always looking for another black girl. Like, no, I wasn't. (laughs) But it wasn't until I got into high school where I started going to these trail rides Mm -hmm. and they were literally, I'm in the middle of the woods with a bunch of black horsemen and women, black cowboys. There's like 300 head of horses here. And I'm like, where are you guys like during the day, like during the week? (laughs) Like I didn't even know y'all existed. I didn't know you enjoyed this. There was this much of a congregation of people that enjoyed the same thing I did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, once I kind of had that uh, revelation, that was when I started looking around like, okay, there aren't really that many people out here looking like me. And so when I got my, um, my horse maestro at six months old, you know, you can't ride him for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I showed him in hand. Um, I had never been to a horse show. You know, I just looked up videos and went to a local open show series for kids. I mean, well, yeah, it was for kids, honestly. <laughs> um, but just did like trail challenges and, showmanship we failed at showmanship so bad I don't know why but we did (laughs) and um halter Mm -hmm. and then I realized I'm like okay you know I learned the difference between um stock type and pleasure type and saddle type and I'm like okay so where do I fit in and then I realized I was asking that question a lot like where do I fit in where do I fit in there's got to be other people out here that are feeling the same way as me. Mm-hmm. Last year um, was a very big year for me and a friend of mine. We kind of took all this frustration we had of just, you know, not seeing anyone like in the media. We didn't know anybody on social media, you know, outside of our our circle, the, the East Coast Trail Ride Association. I was just like, there's got to be people all over this nation that feel like we do mm-hmm. you know I went to um we have the hunt horse complex down here mm-hmm. and you know saw some African-American riders and then and when they saw me they were like whoa <laughs> and I was just like hey <laughs> and I was like you know it's it's hard you don't realize you feel that way until you see somebody like you and you're just like oh my gosh and I said it shouldn't be a big deal Right. It really should not be a big deal at this point. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, we just kind of through different experiences, like just had to figure out, okay, we need to put ourselves out there because we're not seeing these people. So we have to put ourselves out there and, and be the kind of people that we wish we wanted to see when we, as we were growing up. So that was just, I mean, between that and, you know, the Cowgirl Cameron books and doing things with Encore, I just, you know, to get back to the question, like being a successful equestrian, you know, 
I feel like it doesn't come from how many ribbons you have or how many, you know, I mean, buckles are nice. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Buckles are nice. That's still on my dream list. Yeah. Like I want a buckle for something. (laughs) I might just have to get a Calgary Cameron buckle made. Like I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. Like if you find a place that will do something like that, maybe we'll just make our own buckles and be like, yeah author buckles and (laughs) lover buckles. I think I love it. I'm all over that. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't take all the accolades to be a successful equestrian. It's honestly just putting the horse first Mm -hmm. and foremost, putting that horse first and always being a student to the craft of horsemanship and making sure you're a good sport around other people and making sure kids are safe, things like that. You know, Mm -hmm. that, that is what embodies a successful equestrian. I think that that you're that's a fantastic example to put out there and share with what you're doing. And we're going to get more into some of the things that you are doing. Mm-hmm. First, I really want to talk about your books because this is the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Yeah, yeah. So I have two books here. Um, my main character is Cowgirl Cameron. So it's Cowgirl Cameron and the Crazy Hair Day. So and then Cowgirl Cameron and the Great Escape. I love it. And um, Cowgirl Cameron is just like a sassy little girl who, you know, just has her herd of animals and she is, you know, just navigating different experiences on the farm. So in creating these books, I wanted to You know, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you got seven animals. I can't believe you live out here and I can't believe you did. And I'm like, well, I want, I want other people to believe this. I want, I want them to be able to see that, you know, this is my reality. So in the first book, um, it talks about a crazy hair day and we, we all know, like I had a crazy hair day right before this happened. So a ponytail (laughs) worked. But, um, well, you're rocking it. You look beautiful. <laughs> I make it happen. But yeah, so I just, you know, the first one just talks about hair, um, which is definitely an uh, important aspect of kind of the African American experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she ends up, it, it kind of is modeled behind the um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, like which hat fits. I'm in the, in the cowboy hat, obviously fits there. So cute. <laughs> but, um, and then the, the second book, one of the, um, the herd mates, Encore, the mini horse, he escapes the fence. So, <laughs> <Dummy> Encore. <laughs> yes. So he has, you know, they got to find them and then they got to put the fence back together. And literally, if you're a horse person that has never done that, you don't <laughs> exist. Like, <laughs> You know, you know, you count all of them and you're like, where is, where to go? No, no. <laughs> they're always and there's a hole in the fence. Like you have to fix fencing all the time. Oh, so yeah. oh, that yeah. was, you know, I, I just, I want to convey different experiences as a horsewoman mm-hmm. through these books and through the character of Calgary Cameron. That is so amazing. And what I really love is that you illustrate your own books. So, mm-hmm. you know, talk to us a little bit about, uh, how, how that's awesome. Like, how did you do that? How did you figure out how to illustrate your own books and what programs did you use? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the whole pursuing your passion thing, you know, when I was in high school, I was pushed into science and math because I was good at it, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't anything I was really passionate about. I mean, Mm -hmm. meh. but, um, 
you know, I was also a cheerleader. So we would make these giant banners for the football players to run through. <laughs> and like, that was my job. Like I would have everybody paint in and I would draw out these elaborate things just for football players to roll, to run through them. <laughs> so I've always been like artistic. Um, and it wasn't until um, a couple years ago, I purchased the iPad. Mm-hmm. I used to be completely against Mac products, honestly, but I got an iPad because I wanted to learn hand lettering and I wanted to be able to use the Apple pencil. You know, I did all my research and that's kind of the best um, tablet and stylus combination mm-hmm. on the market right now. And so I got that and I used this program called Procreate and it was only $10. Um, but it literally is like the best design program I have ever experienced. It's especially with drawing, you know, with your hands and not, you know, just navigating something on the computer. So that's honestly what I used. Um, I kind of took some characters from, you know, in my life currently with Encore and um, some experiences I've had. Um, I used to travel with a small ruminant and camelid vet and do tech work for him. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Alpi the alpaca came from. I got the alpaca there and then Lola, um, some miniature donkey. And uh, I, I used to work at a place that had a miniature donkey. And then I also ran a boarding facility um, for a couple of years and a, a miniature donkey boarded with me. And I was like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> each, each character is going to have their own kind of um, story, you mm-hmm. know, in the series um, kind of centered around them. So book number two was about Encore. I, I asked you, is there a personal connection in these books for you? And the answer was yes, because you yeah. experienced the alpaca, you experienced the mini donkey. They might not be exactly like the ones you experienced, but they, exactly. they inspired your mm-hmm. books, right? Mm-hmm. The characters in your books. Yeah. Um, and then why children's books? Like what excites you about children's books? Why did you decide to go that route with your books first? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like I said, last year, um, me and a friend of mine, when we decided to, um, you know, kind of put ourselves out there as equestrians and, and horsemen, horsewomen, mm-hmm. um, she decided to ramp up her nonprofit organization. She's really passionate about um, literacy. And she is my friend, Caitlin. Okay. <laughs> and she's, um, <laughs> she is uh, really passionate about literacy. And, you know, we had already kind of been in talks of, of you know, what can we do? So um, February of last year, we started a book tour. Um, the book tour was called Saddle Up and Read. Aww. And so she had gotten these books um, about black cowboys. And I mean, not really black horse women. Some of them were, but they were just like black women in history that did some pretty cool things. Mm-hmm. And so she was going around to different schools and reading these books. Um, because they're very open to that, especially during Black History Month. And we, we realized, you know, I I joined her on a couple of the readings and I was like, you know, we're in kindergarten and first grade classes and we have these books, but we're having to make up the story or, or, um, paraphrase the story because when you have these books or you have a story that hasn't been told, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times authors want to put the whole story in the book. <laughs> and so, you know, we got this, these children's books with a hundred words on each page and we're like, 
Bill likes to ride on Broncos. <laughs> Turn the page, you know, and the kids are just like, yeah, okay. And so I was like, okay, we need to find, you know, books still, still on topic, but that are easier for us to read. Like mm-hmm. I'm tired of making up a story mm-hmm. and um, couldn't find any. So I was like, okay. So, so you marched right in one. there and solved the problem. Like, yeah. I, I just, I love that <laughs> though. Like, that is so bold and brave and awesome because some, like a lot of writers are afraid to like put their words out there. And I just, you're so passionate about, about what you're doing. And I, I love that. You're like, I'm going to solve this problem. And, and mm-hmm. you wrote these really beautiful books and you're going to continue writing this series, right? Because you said each character gets their own story. So like yeah. you've got a bunch up your sleeve, don't you? How many, how many books do you think you'll end up having in this series? Um, I am not sure. So I've got uh, the two characters and then I've got, um, I've got a, like a horse terms mm-hmm. book, you oh, know, yeah. or farm terms book. Yeah. And then, um, I had people are like, oh my gosh, Cowgirl Cameron should go to a rodeo. And I'm like, that's a good idea. <laughs> Or uh, like a rodeo, like a, like a 4-H open show, like mm-hmm. to show all, shows. Yeah, all the, all the breadth that's available yeah. in horses because yeah. you know, I grew up in the 4-H program. I'm sure you're familiar with 4-H and, and there was a good, uh, you know, touch on a lot of different things like trail and English and Hunter mm-hmm. Hack and Western showmanship, which is always challenging. I share that with you. Um, yeah. I got that experience, but you're right. There were, it was major, the majority of the horses there were, were stock horses, like quarter mm-hmm. horse breeds. There wasn't a mm-hmm. lot of, um, and maybe some Arabians, but there wasn't a lot of spotlight on other breeds. So like you mm-hmm. can bring a spotlight to breeds, you can bring a spotlight to disciplines. I mean, the possibilities are endless with what endless. you can yep. do. And that is yep. so exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And me and Caitlin run a 4-H club. So yeah. <laughs> I did. I read, I, I read that on your bio. Yeah. That, and being involved yeah. in 4-H is a great way for you to also be a part of what you're, what you're creating and stand up mm-hmm. and say, here I am, this is what I do. This is my life. And, and mm-hmm. fill these, fill these, like, do you mainly focus with like children or is it like of all ages? Yeah. Program- well, we, we say from eight to 17, just because it's hard to cater a lesson to 16 year olds and younger than eight yeah Um, so so right in the middle yeah so you're just having this incredible impact on young people I just I love that so much and then uh I wanted to go back a second to procreate which was the um Mm -hmm. the graphic design app that was ten dollars that you used on your ipad so Mm -hmm. you can draw that by hand with the the pencil that it Mm comes that comes with the program and then what does it like download to like a a file that you can then embed in your book. How does that work? So that, um, so the the app is updated like twice in the last year and it's amazing. And you don't even have to continue to pay for it. It's great. Like I am all about some Procreate, but it can download to several different things. It can download to JPEG, oh, PNG. Cool. You can make GIFs. I make GIFs or GIFs. Yeah, well, I never know how to say, say that either. <laughs> I've, I've done that. Um, they just, they just added a pretty low key, like animation feature. I haven't had time to play with that yet, but I have done the cowgirl Cameron gifs and 
I mean, it's amazing. So you can do all of that stuff. But for the book, um, you know, the I, I draw the entire page and download it as a PDF file, a high, a high quality PDF file. Uh -huh. And then that way I just upload it to the publisher and then upload the cover art. Um, I had to do a lot of figuring out formatting, things like that, and learning about graphics. And then so when you were going to educate yourself on uh, graphic design and deciding whether to indep independently publish or not, did you have like specific places you went to to do this? Or did you just kind of go Google all over the place and read books to figure it out? Yeah, well, I, um, I did a lot of YouTubing just because there's a lot of Procreate tutorials on YouTube. Okay. And um, like in the program, you can use all of these different brushes. I mean, you can, there are people who create simply amazing things um, in Procreate. So I, w I went to YouTube to learn that. Mm -hmm. But then um, I, I published or I decided to publish through um, Kindle Direct Publishing. Mm -hmm. And even there, you know, I feel like sometimes people think independent, independent publishing means like you have no one checking over your stuff. You have no one, but that's not really the case. Um, you know, when I went to upload the files initially, I got to see a preview and it was fuzzy. Hmm. And I was like, why, why is it, why is it fuzzy? Why, you know, the lines are not crisp. I don't, I don't understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go back and look at, um, like the quality or how to adjust the quality of a photo or a PDF, especially if you draw it. Procreate has those, um, those settings in it where you can change the size of your canvas mm -hmm. and you can, um, increase the, uh, the, DPI or whatever, um, just to make it a higher quality photo. Didn't know that. So I went back and, and had to do it up. I, I thought I could just adjust the settings. Mm -hmm. Could not. Oh, you had to literally you had, had to draw the book all over again. Oh my. Oh my. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, okay. So for the second book, I had a down pack. I'm like this right here, you know, and I, and I still use Procreate for fun, but I'm like, okay, this canvas right here, this is specific for book drawing, you mm -hmm. know, for the Calgary Cameron books. Um, the KDP, it allowed me to choose what size books I wanted. If I want a mm -hmm. glossy paper, mm -hmm. that was nice. I, I appreciated having those options. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I uploaded the book again, they sent it back and they were like, you have words on this. I can't remember the line, but it's like some perimeter line that you can't have any words outside of just in case there's an issue with the printer. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you have words outside of it. So we're not going to print it. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and redid it again. And they're like, nope, page six. You got something, right? I'm like, oh God. <laughs> so, I mean, even with independent publishing, I mean, they were, they were checking, like there was somebody somewhere mm -hmm. looking at my stuff and say, hey, you know, we can't, mm -hmm. we can't produce this like this, you know, mm -hmm. and finally got it right. But there are quality standards that are set in place in order so the best product does come out. And then, you know, obviously you want to release the best product. Part of the process, right? Learning mm -hmm. is part of the process and learning keeps you 
sharp, right? You know, mm -hmm. so, so the more you learn and the more you consume and, you know, I'm a do it yourself or kind of figure it out, educate myself and then go out for help if I need it. Right. Kind of right. person. Like I believe that you should figure out as much as you can on your own and then, you know, ask for help or hire a designer or do whatever you need to do, but get it as far as you can. And you Same. mastered that. And, and thank you for sharing about procreate. I've never heard of that before. And that sounds like a really cool tool. Uh, yeah. for all the authors that are interested in uh, writing a children's book. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk to like, you know, you've talked a lot about a message, but when you're, when you're readers, when, when you're reading these books to um, those kindergarten, first grade, second grade classes, what, what do you hope to leave them with when you're, you're finished doing a reading with them or they finish reading the book? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, back to, to um you know not seeing anyone that looked like me you know like in real life in in the horse industry but even in books you know there you know it's kind of a stigma about you know african-american men and women and like animals are appreciating animals um so i never really saw that um reflected in literature mm -hmm. growing up mm -hmm. um so you know which was fine. Um, but I, I want kids to, when they see this, you know, it, I don't want them to have to use their imagination to figure out or, you know, say, I want to be this when I grow up, but I haven't seen anybody like it. So I'm just going to imagine I'm going to be there. Like, no, this is real life. You, you know, you see somebody like you, um, mm -hmm. doing something that you're interested in, you know, gardening, working with horses, working with llamas and donkeys. Yeah, <laughs> you see somebody who is doing like slightly outlandish thing. It's not really that outlandish, but it's, you know, just a different occupation or it's just a different part of life that a lot of kids don't see. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just want them to be able to see it and be like, hey, you know, I, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I have that validation because it's right here, like, uh, like I can touch it. It's, it's right here and on paper, you know, it's not some like fleeting imaginary thing that might could happen maybe, you know? So yeah. that's, that's my ultimate, like, you can do this because you see it in front of you. Not because somebody was like, yeah, you, you know, you might be able to be an astronaut when you grow up. It's like, well, I'm looking at a black astronaut right now. So mm -hmm. yeah, I could actually do this. You know, mm -hmm. it's just that, that, that validation and having this tangible thing saying, this is what you can do. This is what's an opportunity for you. And it's completely normal. <laughs> I love that. And I'm so glad you created this book series. And I'm so excited about the success you're already having and how this is going to turn out for you in the future. I see all mm -hmm. sorts of possibilities. You know, you've already mentioned get, being involved with um, your friend's liter, liter, literacy program and the mm -hmm. uh, Saddle Up for Reading. Was that, did I get that right? Saddle, Saddle up, up and Read. Yeah. Saddle Up and Read, which I love. I think that's a great topic. How else do you reach your readers? Like, is there anything else that you do to get the word out about your books um, besides going to, you know, school or library events? Are you doing anything? Yeah, else? yeah. Well, I have, like, my family and friends, I think I surprised everybody because I didn't tell anybody that I was writing a book. I didn't tell them that I was illustrating a book um, or publishing. You know, I didn't tell anybody. Well, I told my mom because I tell mm. my mom everything. But <laughs> <laughs> nobody knew. And then I was like, bam. I got a book, go buy it for your kids. And they're like, 
what she's got a book and then they're telling the next person did you know she wrote a book like hey this is crazy she's doing all this stuff and she wrote a book so there has been a lot a lot of word of mouth mm-hmm. simply just through that and i'm still my mom was very active in my schooling growing up so like I'm still friends with my first grade teacher and my guidance counselor and, you know, my high school teachers are having me come back and speak to classes and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, guess what? You guys also wrote a book. (laughs) And they're like, what? (laughs) So a lot of people, it's just like, kind of like shock. Like we didn't know that you were a writer, you know, you were all about animals and obviously it's a book about animals, but they're just like, wow. Like, this is something else that she's doing now. So let's, you know, support her and talk about it. I have a very, very strong, like family and friend base Mm -hmm. who then, you know, they buy the books for their relatives, you Mm -hmm. know, kids and their family, or they are like, Hey, let me have this book for my classroom Mm -hmm. or let me send this book to where I'm from because I know that there's not a lot of, um, you know, representation in their classroom. I've had mm-hmm. books sent all the way that to um, Oklahoma simply because she's like, I know there's not um, representation in, I mean, that's a very ag heavy area. So they don't have, they just don't have it. So mm-hmm. um, it was just, it was a lot of just support from my family and friends that has really made this, this kick off for mm-hmm. sure. That's super cool. And don't ever under mess, underestimate the power of word of mouth in your network, because mm-hmm. often that's where it starts. I mean, most people choose to check out books based on recommendations from family and friends. I mean, that's mm-hmm. sort of how it happens. Like if I need a new book, I always go to my sister because I always like what she likes. And then she mm-hmm. got recommended from somebody else. So like word of mouth is very powerful. I mean, you can do all do tons of marketing and social media and all those things, but don't, don't underestimate the power of like your family and friends. That's a great point. Um, And speaking of, and she wrote a book and you're doing all these other things. I wanted (laughs) to talk a little bit about um, your, your business. So you're, you're a creator, you're an author, you're a student, you're an equestrian and you're a business owner. Well, you're Mm -hmm. a business owner because you wrote a book, but you, you also have a business. So can you tell us a little bit about your business uh, black unicorn creative and like what services you offer and how that started and where you're taking it. Yeah. Yeah. So black unicorn creative started off as just a hobby. I mean, like Etsy shop situation where I would create, um, you know, make graphic tees and vinyl cutting, you know, anything really with vinyl or, um, any like custom design things last year kind of put cowgirl Cameron under that just to, um, you know, protect the assets that came from cowgirl Cameron. Mm -hmm. And so, um, last year I decided to actually incorporate it as an LLC, um, because of the sheer amount of freelance work I was doing for other people, like friends, you know, starting their own businesses and like, Hey, can you take a look at my social media and like, tell me what you think? Or, you know, I'm trying to reach a thousand followers. Um, you know, what, what do you think I should do? Or is there something on there that you see that I shouldn't be doing? Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of consulting like that and, you know, creating things, creating social media 
blurbs or graphics, things like that. Procreate came into a <laughs> play there also. I'm sure. But I, I just I just started doing a lot of creative services for small businesses um, that were simply friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you know, this is like looking back, like saddle up and read. I did the logo for that also. And pushed um a lot of the marketing for that and I was like okay this is this is not something I feel like I'm working hard on you know Mm -hmm. it's fun it's it's a challenge um I enjoy being challenged for sure um and I wasn't having the same fulfillment in my real life job you know Mm -hmm. I I wasn't being challenged at all Mm -hmm. there anyway so I was like okay let me see if I can make this into something i mean it's got creative in it anyway um so as far as services um i'm just i offer social media management um graphic design work and just kind of overall marketing um Mm -hmm. help for small businesses i do want focus on like the horse industry or the the ag industry um Mm -hmm. i'm not into tech or anything like that. And I feel like in order for me to make this a sustainable thing, it does have to be something I'm passionate about. Absolutely. Um, So, you know, getting these people, you know, more business or just more exposure, things like that. Um, that that's fun to me and everybody comes with their separate challenges. Um, I just did a challenge myself on Instagram because I had, I started Instagram in 2012, just in college. I had 4,636 Instagram posts. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I went through, it took me about 10 hours to delete literally the random stuff because I wanted to be more on brand too. And I, and I realized I was being super hypocritical because I'm like fixing everybody's social media. And then I looked at mine and I was like, (laughs) Oh, let me fix that. (laughs) That's good. I mean, um, you showed up and you're, you know, you're walking the talk and you're, you're, you know, you're, you're doing this stuff for other people. And then you're like, Oh, well, you know, and that's the thing that I think can happen a lot with freelance work though, is you're, so busy helping your clients and consulting Mm -hmm. them and working on building their businesses that sometimes our businesses take a backseat, right? So that's something to keep in mind in the mix. It sounds like you've experienced that a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm, that's pretty much what I do. um, And I've just, I've enjoyed it. It's, it's been pretty interesting, you know, just being able to be that creative person and people taking your advice and you seeing that it actually works. It's, mm-hmm. it's that fulfills me. So that is so cool. Well, you're following your passion, right? You are following mm-hmm. your passion and it's showing up and it's working. And I'm like, I am so thrilled for you. That is so great. Like I want to work with you. <laughs> is there anything that you wish you had known when you were thinking about starting your business that you would tell yourself now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that you probably shouldn't start a business when you're trying to finish a master's program. True that. So it's kind of <laughs> taking the back seat until I graduate in May. <laughs> but um, also that each state has resources for small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, they're usually um, 
in um, universities, colleges, and universities, mm-hmm. um, there they have a business school. If they do have a business school, they have students that are needing to learn how to run businesses. Mm-hmm. So they usually offer free services for small businesses. Um, I wish I would have known that. I guess way back when, when I was like, oh, I'm gonna make a crafting business. And then I was like, oh my god, no, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> um, and then you know. A lot of people to- told me the cost associated with getting an LLC and stuff like that. And I think it's really important for people to do research themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Just because it's it costs someone this much or they had to re- go through all these hoops to start their business doesn't mean that's the same for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had people telling me that I had to go down to down to the um, to the capital and go to this office and I was just like there's so many businesses started every day and it's 2019 I shouldn't have to do any of that (laughs) you know we have the internet Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it was just like I just had to learn I just had to research it for myself and Mm -hmm. I was able to like do all this all these things like lickety split and it was like okay that was easy like all those things we all struggled with I didn't because it's not like a brick and mortar anything like that. Mm-hmm. So my next, my next, uh, challenge is taxes. So mm-hmm. we're going to see how that works out. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk about that when I come back. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and we absolutely should, because that's something that authors and business owners face, you know, it's like, how mm-hmm. does, how does all that work? And, you know, getting the right accountant, accounting and invoicing and tracking everything the mm-hmm. correct way. So yeah, for sure. That would be an awesome topic. And we will have you back on for that certainly yeah but and i think that you really make a great point it's like you have to educate yourself when you're taking when you're going to take under on anything right like you really have to educate yourself and and here's the thing if you don't feel like educating yourself then it must not be something you're passionate about would you agree with that a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah because for me all the research that i do for you know starting up this podcast or writing my next book or you know figuring out interesting ways to do promotion and marketing, it's interesting to me and it doesn't feel like work because it's something I'm passionate about and it's all horse related, right? So it's yeah. like, yeah. Um, yeah. So if you don't want to do the research, it might not be your passion and it might mm-hmm. not be something that you want to pursue long-term. So that's really good advice. Uh, and again, I want, you're just like a jack of all trades. You can do so many different things and you're up to so many cool things. You also have a podcast. So I really like to talk about that. It's, um, can you tell us about Young Black Equestrians, the podcast, your co-host and what listeners can find out there? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, January, like literally a year ago, um, I, I reached out to Caitlin. Um, I had seen her on the trail ride scene. Her dad is like, one of the original founders, like it started back in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. so he holds his own trail ride on his property he's got a horse farm. Um, you know, he does quarter horse racing, all this sorts of things. So I'm like, yeah, like she's in it. Like she's, <laughs> she's in there, yeah. <laughs> but I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, you know, I'm having these like issues with the horse community pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk to talk about it. Mm-hmm. She's like, Oh my gosh, girl. Yes. Like that gets on my nerves too. And so we met like 
at a sheets because I live in the country. Like I didn't get internet until like two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was so you're like, bad. you're like way out there then in the country. And yeah. sheets, sheets is a gas station. Is that right? For people that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it because, uh, gosh, where was, I've been to like, they're, they're like, an, they're on East coast South, right. As mm-hmm. the sheets gas stations. Yeah. My mom lives yeah. in South Carolina and, yeah. uh, and she's still in Georgia. And I think that's where I first saw them. I bought, my husband's last name is sheets and I bought their mugs, <laughs> <laughs> their travel mugs. So that, that was really cool. Sorry. Off topic. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we met at the sheets. They have Wi-Fi. They have like a little meeting room thing that you can just hang out. Um, so we met there and stayed there for like four hours and thankfully it's 24 hours, but we're like, okay, like we literally have been talking for this long. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can't be the only ones. Like, obviously I found you, so I'm not the only one, mm-hmm. but there's two of us now. We can't be the only ones. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we decided to start a podcast and, um, you know, I had been looking in the podcast and listening to some, and I was like, like, how, is this, I I thought it was more of a production, like, um, like radio, Mm -hmm. but then doing more research, I was like, people literally doing this in their house, like with their cell phones. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we decided to start young black equestrians. We went through like a couple different names, but we're like, okay, we don't need to be cryptic you know, they need to know exactly what this podcast is about. (laughs) I love that. You're just being straight about, about what it is and what you're doing and why it's Mm -hmm. important. And I love that. I mean, that's like the best way to be in the world is just communicate straight. Right. Yeah. 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 That way, that way nothing can be um, misconstrued. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we started the podcast, uh, released our first episode at the end of February and have been going ever since and we tried to do like oh it's just gonna be us like doing conversations but then we're like oh you know I had a friend I was like hey I want to talk to him about his experience mm-hmm. and we brought him on talked to talk to um Ashani about his experience and then we were like you know the way that social media works like the algorithms if you add one person as a friend similar people show up Mm-hmm. And so literally I was inundated with all of these people and I'm like, oh my gosh, they have horses. They have horses. They have, like and I'm adding all these people and I'm like, there is experience. Like we need to be able to share these people's experience because Absolutely. they might feel like we did, but don't have the, you know, resources or the, the desire to form this whole production. Mm-hmm. So let's just invite them on. See if they want to talk about, you know, horses. Like it should be pretty easy. (laughs) Horse people like talking about their horses. They sure do. I think we could talk for like 26 hours straight about our horses and the the crazy things they do and what we're figuring out about them. And I love that you're building a community. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like you're creating the community that you had longed for when you were a young woman loving horses and looking Mm -hmm. around and saying, Where where's my community? And you know, like we're all a community, right? But like you, you wanted a community that that is up to the same thing that you are, right? So it's like, yeah. I think that that is really cool. So your podcast is going really well. Like, do you do, how, how often do you uh, release a show and where people, where can people find that? Yeah, so it's weekly. It's um, on Fridays um, that we release the show. Um, mm-hmm. It should, it's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, some other like podcast hosted Podbean, Pod, Pod, 
something else. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's, it's on the main ones. Yeah. Um, we host it through Anchor. Uh-huh. And I know a lot of people don't like Anchor, you know, because it doesn't show a lot of the metrics that people desire. Um, but being a low budget operation, I'm like, it does what I need it to do. Yeah. <laughs> it gets my story out there and I don't have to worry about all the technical, you know, the RSS feed and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just like, all right, it puts it on all the platforms that I want it to be on. Um, it's easy to upload. It has an easy dashboard. Here we go. This, awesome. is, this is what we got. So, yeah. I mean, it took a lot of research, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we kind of settled on and that's what we've been doing. But um, so we, we do seasons um, just because life happens right. <laughs> sure. well and seasons are a really cool way to go right like if you, mm-hmm. like, you want to take a break or walk you know because if you're committed to doing something you know every Wednesday then you have or like I do you have to have integrity and get an episode out every Wednesday so but when you do seasons it's cool because people can binge mm-hmm. listen if they want to like mm-hmm. get people binge watch tv and then this when the season is complete you can take a a break and think about what you want to create for the next season so that's a really smart way to podcast too it's just like what works yeah. Best, best for you and how you want to handle it. I think that's yeah. awesome. I will let, you know, I'll, I'll link to an episode of, of your podcast too in the show notes so people can give okay. it a listen, but then also link to where people can go and, and subscribe and listen to more. Is there one common myth about our profession or our field or writing or being an equestrian that you really want to debunk? Is there something that you want to go like, nope, that's not true? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of touched on it earlier. Like, mm-hmm. Black people like animals. <laughs> they 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 like animals. They like their horses. We ride horses, um, literally in all different disciplines, and we've re- we've shown that through uh, the podcast. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we have ownership. We we own land. You know, we own agricultural related businesses, trucks, trailers, like the whole shebang. Like we have a hand in all of, in the entire operation, and although the representation is not always there in the horse community. Like there's always, there's always somebody. This is a lot of us grew up in this. Like Caitlin's literally been riding since she was like three. Um, You know, it's just, I, I just want the, the, lack of representation to improve. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for people, I just wanted to be normalized, you know, because I feel like that myth or that stigma of like, like, what are you doing here um, is a very pivotal point in a lot of black equestrians lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, through the podcast, through the books, you know, we're trying to hit them early. (laughs) Um, I, I just want that representation for them to be that support, but to also say, Hey, you know, we're out here, y'all, you know, we're your, we're your friends, your family, you know, you may go to work with some people that, you know, on the weekend are doing some super interesting things. So that's pretty much it. (laughs) And you're, and you're, you're being a stand for that. And I love that. And you're shining a light on this topic and you're breaking down the barriers and you're, you're, you're providing access to Mm -hmm. that for young people. And I think the equestrian community 
should be all inclusive because it's about the majestic beauty of this horse. And so yeah. I think the work that you're yeah. or of the horse, I think the work you're doing is so important. And I'm so glad you're on, on my podcast because I want to share this message too. What is the hardest part about being an author for you? And then on the flip side, what is the best part about being an author? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the hardest part is being my own worst critic. Mm -hmm. Um, I, because I, I get so passionate about things. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. And I'm gonna do that. And it's like, okay, you're going to do all these things, but like, are you sure you're going to do it in a month? You know? (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I'm going to write a cowgirl Cameron book. I released the first one in August and I was like, okay, the next one's going to be out next month. And then I was like, oh God, I can't, (laughs) I can't do it in a month. That's a lot of work. So I think, you know, between having to, uh, the second book is a lot more heavy uh, illustration, but just having to kind of pace myself Mm. um, and not put a higher expectation on myself than I can deliver. um, I mean, the best part It's literally going to these schools and these readings and the fact that I've incorporated Encore into the book. He gets to come with me um, and he's, you know, in training to be like a therapy horse. So Mm -hmm. he's, um, you know, he, he passed his assessment with flying colors. I mean, he's, he's just an amazing little dude but mm-hmm. I get to dress him up I get to put his little shoes on he wears Aww. shoes from Build-A-Bear so he's got Converse's and combat boots and Timberlands it's great so but cool. I get to take him with me and just to see the sheer wonder wonder in these kids faces um because I'm a very like animated storyteller anyway but you know and then Encore's there and he may neigh or something and everybody's like oh my it is just the cutest situation like i just love it i just love it i mean and it's like the adults too are like calm down calm down calm down (laughs) you know they're just also so excited and you know whether it be my teachers previous teachers or you know family friends they're just i mean they love it i mean he came usually when he jumps out of the car everybody's like oh my god so that I mean that's that's my favorite part going to doing the readings um and then you know having little encore with me to help drive home my points yes I love (laughs) that that's the best so you and encore out there spreading joy it's fantastic (laughs) and a great message so you ready for the 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 big last question before I ask you where people can find you in your books. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to achieve their dreams, like writing a book, starting a business, or taking that first horseback riding lesson? Um, I would honestly say just go for it. I mean, it all goes back to being passionate about something. Mm-hmm. Um, even if even if it's not being specifically passionate about horses, it, being passionate about trying new experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, try horses, see how you like it. Try archery, try anything, really. Um, you know, just once you find something that you truly enjoy, you'll know it. It won't feel like work. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to pretty much do it every day of your life and not, 
I mean, you can complain, but it's not like for real complaining. <laughs> That's right. It's like, I'm just venting. I'm not complaining because I need something to change. I'm just venting. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, really just just go for it. And if you find that it's something that you are truly passionate about, put in the work. There are no shortcuts. You know, put in the work to learn what you need to learn to get where you want to be. And I feel like a lot of times in the horse industry, people feel like they need to have like these long stretching goals. You know, I want to be a bronze medalist and whatever. I want to jump, you know, to six. I want to, like, you can have horses just to enjoy them. Mm-hmm. You know, you Absolutely. can have them. A lot of people are like, oh, is Encore going to pull a cart? <laughs> like, no, he doesn't have to work. he is too cute to work (laughs) that's right he is too cute to work and you have to make sure to send send me some pictures of encore so i can share them in your show notes so people can see this adorable little miniature horse that accompanies you on book readings and inspires Mm -hmm. your your books that's so and that is amazing advice i think my biggest complaint uh doing what i'm doing and it's my passion is that i don't have enough time like when you yes. Really, yes when you're really doing something and really go for it and you really educate yourself and you're doing the work that that will probably be your complaint is you want to be working on it all the time and you just don't have enough time would you agree with that i i agree 100% like i'm like if someone would just pay me for all the ideas i have <laughs> right. then i wouldn't have to work like <laughs> i wish ideas paid bills because i have a ton of them <laughs> Let's virtual high five on that because I totally, (laughs) totally agree with you there. I think, uh, yeah, I wish we lived closer to each other. I feel like we could be like really good friends. I know. I have so enjoyed our time together. So tell us where people can find you and find your books. Yeah. So the books, um, they are on Amazon. Um, You can just search Cowgirl Cameron and they'll pop up. Mm -hmm. Um, It's C-A-M-R-Y-N, just for clarification. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I also have www.cowgirlcameron.com. That's ordering books directly from me. Um, Obviously, there's no prime shipping, but you get my signature on this lovely book. It'll already be signed if it comes directly from me. So that's one of the benefits of, of that. I think my signature is worth the shipping personally. <laughs> and you can, um, you can personalize it and, and yeah. message. For, exactly. For yeah. Exactly. And then you can find um, the podcast at Young Black Equestrians. T is in Tom. P is in Paul. I don't know if this is P is in Paul. Um, <laughs> young black equestrians tp on instagram we're on facebook also um that's where we we post the graphics from our um from our episodes and then we'll have the ybe tv just the the youtube version the visual version of it as well um and then you can find me um it's the aj way on instagram and follow me on facebook as well Awesome. And I will link to all those places too in your show notes so people can get to those really easily and uh, link way to you. And, and uh, thank you so much for the gift of your time. And I'm just, I just enjoy this conversation. I am so blown away and inspired by you. So yeah, well, thank you so much. And I love your podcast as well. I learned, I learned about ISBN numbers, like on one of your episodes. And I was like, Amazon's got all my stuff. You know how I like to control things. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, 
I'll be headed over there to buy some ISBN numbers for the next 10 books I got. Exactly. So. That's an, a very important thing to know. And, and for anybody who wants to watch that episode, it's an episode, I think it was three Ray Rakin. She talks mm-hmm. about what, what an ISBN is and why it's so important for your books. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and thank you for sharing that feedback. It means a lot to hear that you got something from listening to the episodes because that's mm-hmm. exactly what I hope that this will do. And, and I'm kind of like, 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 like what you were saying, like, I'm trying to be the resource that I wish I had when I wanted to be, when I was just starting out in my adventure as an author of course book. So nice. that is awesome feedback. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and writing, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes, and make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horsebook authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author, who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.